0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome back to the Cherry Picking Podcast featuring Andre Cherry Picking Cherry, Philadelphia's favorite college football mind. Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned in to the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey everybody, this is Andre Cherry, your host of the Cherry Picking Podcast, and I want to welcome you in to another very special episode of my show. On today's episode, since we don't have college football, we don't have any sports for the foreseeable future, I did want to get into the documentary that was released by ESPN on April 19th called The Last Dance, and it documents the 1997-1998 Chicago Bulls and their run for their sixth championship. It would cap off their second three-peat. For me, this documentary, it hit close to home um, because I'm from the Chicagoland area, not from Chicago, but the Chicago land area. I'm from a suburbs called Naperville, Illinois. You may have heard it. And so, growing up in the burbs of Chicago, the Chicago Bulls were my team. I'm a military brat, and my parents moved. We moved from South Korea. We had been, we'd been stationed everywhere across the country, and we had a stint in South Korea, Pusan, South Korea. So, I was very familiar with Michael Jordan. And this is back in like 1991. So I was very familiar with Michael Jordan. He was very popular uh, internationally. And so living in Pusan, South Korea, I was very familiar about Michael Jordan. And I was excited when my family told me that we're moving to Chicagoland area, a.k.a. Naperville. So, you know, Michael Jordan, he was an icon. And for me, he was the, the biggest thing going at that time. I mean, not solely looking at sports, you have Michael Jordan, one of the greatest, if not the greatest basketball player of all time. You had Michael Jackson during that era as well, a a sensational pop star who had global status. And so those two figures were the biggest things going for me as a young kid Michael Jordan and Michael Jackson and so Michael Jordan was just a dominant player and someone I really enjoyed watching and growing up with and the fact that they won championships seemingly back to back every single year seemed crazy to me and I didn't realize how good I had it as a kid to witness that that level of pure domination from your hometown basketball team. Every year, it would be a party. Every every time they would go to the playoffs, you knew the Chicago Bulls were going to win the whole thing. They were going to win the NBA championship. And so I, I was always looking forward to celebrating after they, they clinched the finals. I would pour buckets of water on my head. You would hear people shooting off firecrackers. You would hear people going crazy in the streets. And like that was the biggest thing that got me going as a little kid was the fact that the Chicago Bulls are in the playoffs and they're going to win. And the funny thing about growing up during that time in the Chicagoland area, they would do PSAs during the Bulls playoff run. And the PSAs would be like something to the fact that we're in the playoffs, celebrate responsibly, please take it easy, don't do anything crazy. And so they would run those PSAs like every year. And it would be with Michael Jordan, I think Phil Jackson was in it, Scottie Pippen, maybe even Dennis Rodman. But that was the that was the reality. Back then in the 90s in Chicago was that the Bulls were your team. The Bulls were going to be the best team in the NBA. They're going to go to the playoffs and they're going to win in the playoffs. So growing up, I, I really didn't experience heartbreak following teams because for the most part, if you're a fan of any sports team, you're going to have heartbreak along the way. I've been heartbroken by the Chicago Bears. They went to the Super Bowl and they lost to the Colts heartbreak. That was heartbreaking. The Cubs had been the Cubs for much of my life until twenty sixteen when they win the whole thing, when they win the World Series after over a hundred year drought. So I you know, I haven't really had a chance to see what success looks like. The Blackhawks were bad for much of my lifetime until they won it just recently and they won those three cups, but man, NC State, I'll throw NC State in there. It's like you know, my college team that I follow that I root for They're always breaking my heart. But as a kid growing up in the 90s, watching the Chicago Bulls play, all I saw was success. All I saw was victories. All I saw was wins. And that was my team. And I ride with them even today. It's just, it's a sad state of where the Bulls are though. For much of my adult life, the Bulls have been pretty bleak. But they've had some bright spots in Derrick Rose and Jimmy Buckets. Those two guys were really fun to watch while they were here but outside of that, I mean, they haven't really done much for me as an adult. You could even say the Young Bulls. And I'm talking like back to Kirk Heinrich, Luol Deng, Tyrus Thomas days. Like Those were fun days because they weren't expected to do much, but then they would always produce at a high level or they there would be a lot of effort behind their work. So you got to respect that if you're a Chicago Bulls fan. Chicago's a tough blue collar city. And so people can respect that. But in terms of just success in championships, I haven't seen that level of domination from my Bulls. But back as a kid, the Bulls were that dominant team. And so I, I just, I really enjoyed the fact that we could have an opportunity to watch this documentary and to go back in time and relive those memories. I was like 11 years old in 97. So I remember the Bulls run from that perspective as a little kid, but now seeing it replayed to me as an adult, I'm I'm getting a better understanding of the dynamics and the politics that were in play back in 97. Most specifically, I'm talking about Scottie Pippen. I had no idea that he was going through a nasty contract dispute, uh, that he was unhappy with his contract. If you watch the second documentary that was released on Sunday, Scottie Pippen, he's got humble beginnings. He's from Arkansas. His family was... Pretty broke, pretty poor family. And so when he made it to the league, he signed a long-term contract that really was in favor of the Bulls. I mean, Scottie Pippen played, he played above that contract. He played above his value when he signed it. And so he was underpaid. I mean, I was I was honestly surprised to see that Scottie Pippen was the 122nd lowest salary, I guess you could say. His salary came in at 122 overall in the league. Yet he was near the top Of the Bulls' statistics in terms of points scored, minutes played, he led the Bulls in assists. I mean, he was an all-around hustler. He was an all-around, and I hate the term Batman and Robin because I think that's kind of disrespectful because nobody wants to be Robin. But I think Scottie Pippen in his own right was a damn good basketball player. And I, I think without Scottie Pippen, the Bulls don't go and have that success that they had and it showed if you saw the second documentary the Bulls were struggling in the in the first half of the season without Scottie Pippen it you could see it you could see Michael Jordan getting frustrated and so Scottie Pippen was a very valuable player and it's just a shame that they went through something so ugly and nasty i i really had no idea as a kid that that was happening to my beloved Chicago Bulls and so I'm really just interested to see where this goes. The first two episodes were really, really good. Uh they were really entertaining. And it just gave a good history of the team that I grew up loving. One thing that I did want to call out before this documentary was released, Michael Jordan was trying to do like a PR campaign just to let people know that once you see this, you know, that might change your opinion of me or Jordan was worried about this documentary coming out and being released because he was worried about the potential backlash that he may receive after people see him in his natural light. You know, Jordan was a competitor. He was, he was hungry to win. He was an athlete. He was dominant in his sport. And so I think some people think that he's a good guy or that he's an all around nice guy. But if you grew up in Chicago during that time period, you heard the rumors that he wasn't a good guy, that he wasn't the nicest guy And in the grand scheme of things, does that really matter if you're trying to put together championships and that and that you're winning? I think people in Chicago, at least, are willing to overlook that. I understand it. I mean, if you if you are dominant in anything you do in any profession, you're not always going to be perceived as being a nice guy or a nice nice girl or a nice woman. You are aggressive. You are you're focused you are disciplined and sometimes that comes off as aggression or sometimes that comes off as being mean but if you're disciplined and you have a plan for your life or a plan for your future and it doesn't sync up with with the with how things really are i guess you're gonna clash and i mean i'm really interested to see more of jordan I'm, i'm under i'm interested to see more of uh This guy that I grew up loving and respecting as a young kid, I want to see what makes him click. I want to see what made him so great. His work ethic. He was disciplined. He was focused. He never quit. He never gave up. A hard worker. All those qualities are something that you really can respect. That's what people aspire. That's what I aspire to to be. I I aspire to have those same traits in my life. Disciplined. Focused. Task-driven. Motivated. He just had this stuff. Naturally, he had it from his upbringing. Same with Scottie Pippen. Humble beginnings. He didn't have much, so he worked hard for what he, what he wanted in life, and he got it. You know, there's there's something to be said about that. And I'm not going to be one of these people who poo-poo this 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 new generation of kids. You know, because I don't know what they're going through. Uh, intimately. I don't know what challenges they're faced with and and obstacles they have to overcome, but I know for folks like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, I know what for folks like our parents and my parents, they went through some of these challenges. They didn't have technology to the extent that we have it today. So their lives, their lives looked a lot different growing up. For my folks personally, I mean they they came from humble beginnings as well. And I I attribute a lot of who I am to my, my parents and my dad and my mom and how they were raised and how they raised us. And so there's just something something that you can really respect in Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen's grind. How they came up from humble beginnings, hard worker, focused. To me, I respect him more because I'm seeing everything. Everything is the the cover has been peeled back. I really get to see this guy for who he is and and will I be disappointed? Uh, at the end of this possibly maybe I mean if he does something truly atrocious but I haven't seen it yet in the first two episodes I've really been impressed with this documentary I'm surprised that they had this locked in a, a locker in Secaucus New Jersey for two decades or whatever it was so I'm really excited to watch the rest of this play out I know in Chicago all my friends are excited for this documentary I was watching their IG uh, stories yesterday and you just see the kids that I grew up with all wearing the Chicago Bulls stuff. They're wearing the Chicago Bulls jerseys, Chicago Bulls hats, they're wearing Jordans. They're they're posted up for this moment. This is appointment viewing, appointment television. And they were in for it. They were all in. Now I know other friends, if you if you just look at Twitter, if you're not from Chicagoland, if you if you didn't really grow up with the Bulls as your team there's not much interest there. You're not as excited as the kids from Chicago are. And so it was just a really special moment to kind of reconnect with folks, even though we're socially distant. We were glued in to the Chicago Bulls documentary last night, and we'll be glued into it for the next four weeks. I'm really genuinely excited for this, and I, just, I feel like I can relive the part of my childhood that was really fun, seeing the Chicago Bulls in the playoffs make it to the finals. They win. I'm pouring water on my head. Like I say, ALS challenge every single year, ripping up paper and throwing it up like confetti. I mean, these are the memories that I, I will remember fondly for the rest of my life. And the coolest thing about the Bulls winning the victory was that every year when they, win the, when they would win the finals, when they were in the finals, the hats that would come out, the starter caps, the starter t-shirts. I mean, I had all that stuff And I think I have a few at my parents' house that are still around. I I don't know if they're in any sort of good condition, but I mean, that stuff is so vintage that it's cool again. You know, it's like the, the throwbacks are real cool. And so I wish I, I had that stuff here with me in Philly. But I, kn- I remember as a little kid, everyone would have those starter hats that would say world champion, Chicago Bulls, and just the, the t-shirts and all the memorabilia. I mean, there was a lot of fly gear that came out in the 90s for the Chicago Bulls. And I haven't been as in tune to the fashion these days. I mean, the Bulls are a pretty sorry product. But for a period of time in the 90s, the Bulls were that team that everybody respected, that everybody wanted to claim a stake to. And I I felt very blessed and fortunate to to live within the Chicagoland area during that period of time. So really fond memories, and I can't wait to see what the rest of the series produces. But I just wanted to share my initial thoughts with you all. Hope hope you are enjoying it. If you, if you do decide to watch it, if you have been watching it, what are what are your thoughts about the series so far? Hit me up on Twitter. I mean, really, let me know. I would really like to know. But what I'm gonna do right now, I'm gonna take a quick little break. A little time out, and I'll be right back on the second half of this podcast. We'll get into some other topics. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. I'm Kyle. This is Steven. Together, we host a show called Boy Meets World. Tell them what we cover on Boy Meets World. Boy Meets World. But that's not all, is it? No. Now we cover life experiences. Ours. Oh, son of a <laughs> <laughs> All right, just check out the show, please. We really, <laughs> we really need it. Okay. we need a win just check us out we talk about the show Boy Meets World each episode of our show we run parallel for an episode of Boy Meets World where we will examine the show that's way too much what happens you know our life how it relates to it experiences I can't believe your story I am recording this. <laughs> check it out guys you'll get some hilarious stories from me and Stephen from our childhood you'll get a great <laughs> ah, I lost it Want to know what life is really like after the game is all over? Real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on After Orange Slices. Even if you don't like sports, pro athletes, former college stars, celebrities, coaches, public speakers, doctors, and all kinds of experts, join the show, and there's a little bit of something for everybody. Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. So the first half of the show, we talked about The Last Dance and the Chicago Bulls documentary. This half of the podcast, I just want to talk about some things that have been going on uh, within world events as it relates to this virus. So recently, uh, it was last week, I'm recording this episode on 420. (laughs) San Diego Comic-Con announced that they have canceled their convention for 2020, which is the first time within its 50 plus 50 years of doing the convention. And they've done it every single year. This is the first year that they have to cancel the convention. And that's big news because Comic-Con brings in like over 150,000 people to to the convention, whether that be through uh vendors, celebrities, uh just regular uh guests to Comic-Con, regular uh patrons to the event. I mean, it's it's a big deal. It's a big money maker for San Diego every single year. It's like the biggest event they put on is a comic book convention, not not the San Diego Chargers when they were there, not the San Diego Padres. The San Diego Comic-Con is the biggest thing going and it's like a global event. I mean, it's, it's so huge. It's so big. It's it's something that I, I really feel fortunate enough to have been uh, a part of the history uh, for the last few seasons or fl- last few years. I've been able to go as uh, just a general guest to Comic-Con. But, um, you know, and I wasn't even planning on going this year. I was planning on taking a little break this year and then maybe going in 2021 if... You know that school, my partner, to go for a week in San Diego. But for the folks that were planning on going, I'm sure they're heartbroken for the vendors and for the people who rely on this to make money. I'm sure this is a huge hit for their bottom line, and it's a, it's a shame that it had to get canceled. But I applaud the folks at Comic Con International for making this decision when they did. I mean, they made it in the the first half of April. They made the decision that the convention for July. I think 20th, I forget the date, but it's like the third week in July. They, they just up and up and canceled it, which I think is a smart thing to do. Don't drag this out. I, I guess my frustration is with the sports leagues is that they're trying to drag this out and wait. And that's certainly an approach, but I just don't feel comfortable who, who would feel comfortable in their right mind. Say we get through the end of May, we, this goes through the end of May, which it'll likely will likely be in some sort of quarantine in May. We get out of that at the end of May, and you're telling me that a little over a month after that, people are going to feel comfortable in going to a convention center with 100,000 other people squashed in the room, walking around shoulder to shoulder. You're bumping. You're literally bumping into people. It's hard to walk through people. It's, it's, uh, it's a zoo. It, is, it is a zoo. It is a zoo. And so I give San Diego Comic-Con a lot of credit for canceling that event. I'm sure it pained them to do it. I'm sure they waited as long as they could or as long as they they had to before making that decision. But I think it was the right decision. I think you have to cancel events like this. Um, Certainly, California is under a different mandate. And I think I saw the governor say that he envisions not having sports until 2021, which I, I don't know if that's truly the reality or if that's what we're all looking at eventually. But I applaud them for coming out early saying that it's canceled because I feel like not saying anything is leading people on to believe that, oh, we're going to have the convention or we're going to have sports, we're going to have college football. And I don't really know if that's helpful or healthy. I mean, I'm seeing stuff out of other states about people rallying because their rights have been taken away by having to be locked indoors in quarantine. I think that's kind of ridiculous it's kind of silly and i'm worried that we're going to cause this virus to come back even stronger if you if you're in new york or philly or or dc if you're up in the northeast corridor you see how serious it is new york is crazy from what i'm hearing from friends that live up there from the coverage that we get in philly we see the news and we see how crazy the situation was up there and i i think we're on the downward slope or or so it appears Things are getting better, but it's a scary thought that, you know, that reality could have been, could be Phillies could be our reality. Like they were saying that we were supposed to be the next hotspot, which I don't know if we're still on, on pace for that to be a reality. I mean, I, I just think proximity to New York, it makes it, uh, makes it likely. But again, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I appreciate all of the precautions that the medical uh, officials and the government in Philly and and in PA are taking to protect us and so it's necessary steps for the other parts of the country that haven't seen it yet maybe they don't think the threat is as serious or as is as real but I can tell you it is it's very real it is very real i've already i already have friends who have had loved ones who have died from this virus that's how real it is and so all i'm saying is i would rather all these events and i'd rather all these leagues come out now and say look Here's the reality of what we're looking at. We're going to be canceled or suspended or we're going to have a reduced season or, you know, we're going to have to figure this out. We're not going to play football right now, but we may play it in the spring of 2021. Whatever the case may be, I'd, I'd rather hear more information than no information because I think most people are getting the wrong idea that college football and that sports will proceed on like, like this is just some little break that you know we're going through this pandemic but we'll have sports you know thank god we'll have football thank god we'll have NFL i don't know that that's the case i do not know that that is what's going to happen and certainly there are bigger things to worry about than sports and events i'm just saying that was the biggest thing from last week was the fact that san diego comic con canceled in its 50 year run. So we'll see, you know, what 2021 can bring in terms of events and, and uh, festivals. I mean, I'm sure people will be so excited once they have the opportunity to go back out and attend the things that they love doing prior to this pandemic. So something to look forward to for sure. Another other news, um, I'm actually not hating this mask thing. Like in PA, they recently announced the governor did that if we, if we go to any stores or if if we go to any sort of business, we have to wear a mask. If you're a a customer or if you're an employee, you have to protect your face and you can't go in there if you don't have it. And so I honestly think the masks are cool for me because I have a very expressive face and it, it, do you know what I mean by that? Like some people call it, and I don't have this, but I'm saying some people have this resting bitch face. And while I don't have the resting bitch face, when people talk to me and they say something that might seem a little off, or I just my face is so expressive that I can't—I don't have like a good poker face, like is what I'm trying to say. And so, for me, wearing a mask, I can cover my face, and I can throw some shades on on my eyes, so you can't see what I'm what I'm doing with my mouth or my eyes. And so, it's cool. I feel relaxed. I feel at peace. And so it's sometimes it's a struggle because I'll go out, and the sun will hit my eyes, and so I'm like I'm like uh, frowning, and people may think I'm mad, or I'm not mad. I'm not I'm not trying to act like I've got an attitude or anything like that. It just that's how my face is. That's how that's how it is for me. That's my reality. So I wear shade so that I you know I can let my eyes relax, and that you know people can't see me frowning or making a face, and I'm I'm not truly trying to do that. I'm having a good time. I'm I'm cool. Everything's fine. But sometimes when your face says something different than what you're speaking, people make it the wrong impression. So for me personally, wearing a mask and wearing shades up top, I'm cool, man. I could do this for a little bit. I could, I could really do that. So it's uh, it is crazy, though, walking outside. You see everybody in masks. Uh, you see everybody trying to practice social distancing. It's like you, you're walking down the sidewalk, and then, then you see people go around you, or they'll cross the street. And before the pandemic, that would be... That would make you feel a certain way, especially as a black person or a black man. People crossing the street because they're nervous or worried that you're going to do something to them. Now they do it, and it's just the reality they're trying to protect me they're trying to protect themselves and that's just how it is now and so i'm really curious to see if these masks will be a thing that we carry into the future a month ago i would never have thought that we'd all be wearing masks and that we'd all be practicing social distancing and now flash forward you know six months later or six weeks later we're doing that and i think for the most part we're doing a good job at abiding by the rules at least in philly i can't speak on the rest of the world or the rest of the country. But in Philly, I can tell you that they take it very seriously. So it's it's just interesting times that we're in. Other than that, my afro is growing pretty big. It's, I'm going to have a pretty thick afro by the time we get out of this. Buy crack! Buy crack! I don't know when I'm going to be able to go to a barber. And the crazy thing is, my boss from my day job still does these virtual meetings through WebEx that have cameras on them. So we have a meeting coming up this week, and I'm kind of worried about that because my hair is... Pretty bushy, and so you know, I'm I'm usually I have usually a a clean cut look. If I have a little fro, it's it's little. You know, it's not a big bushy afro. So it's gonna be a change that most people see from me. They haven't seen this look from me in a while. So we'll see how long this uh, pandemic goes for, and see if my barber will be back in business by the time we get out of it. But I'm desperately in need of a haircut. How about you? Are you are you looking for a haircut? Do you need a haircut? Is your hair all crazy down there or up there? <laughs> Let me know. For real. I want to know. Other than that, things are going well. I'm healthy. Uh, I'm alive. My family's doing well. hope the same can be said for your families. And I just wanted to do this podcast and catch up with you guys and gals. So, hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoy The Last Dance. I hope you're following the rules and being safe and being healthy. And I look forward to talking to you in the near future. But with that, I hope you guys have a great week and I will talk to you very soon. Take care. And I was excited when my family told me that we we're moving to Chicagoland area. Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, And I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.